Welcome to another edition of Against the Current. I'm Dan Prop coming to you from atop the Old Republic Building Skyline Club in downtown Chicago. And my guest on this installment is the renowned page two columnist for the Chicago Tribune. He is John Cass. John, thanks, thanks for joining us. Appreciate thanks for having me. Yeah, it's always a pleasure. I was the, I think I was your first guest. You were. I was your inaugural guest. Right. Right. Bookending. Now, 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 now that my career is winding down, I figure <laughs> we'll do this one more time. And then we'll call it a day, or at least I will. Uh, so we're uh, on the eve, fairly close to, of the November 6th midterm elections. Correct. And we got a lot to talk about, both state and local. Want to get your insights on all the races. So why don't we start at the top in Illinois, and that would be the mayor's race. No, I mean, let's it start. Is the, it, it really is. The is. Top. I mean, actually, it, it, let's talk about the governor's race by way of the mayor's race because of this rather unique situation of an open seat for the Chicago mayoralty, and I emphasize ilty as in royalty. Um, and I'm running too, you know. You, oh, that's right, you are running. I'm a candidate. Are you circulating petitions? I don't have to. You do not have to. I just put it out there that I'm, and I'm running on the platform, a to completely honest platform. Riches for me, pain and taxation for everyone else. Hmm, it's pitchy. I just thought, yeah, that's good. Just be honest for once, right? Yeah, I may have to shorten that for the 30-second spots, but, I mean, I get the gist of it. I think it's pretty good. Now, f to establish residency, you left your wife's wedding dress at the family grocery store? Is that... I know that you tweeted that out, but that's a complete falsehood. I left a uh, 1983 winning ugly White Sox hat yeah. and two clean pair of boxer shorts in my apartment in Bridgeport 30 years ago. Is that the 83 hat that's signed by Julio Cruz? Uh, that that counts. Right, that's right, you're right. you're you're eligible to run, no no question. But because of that unique situation, your candidacy in, in particular, but the other candidates right. too. Let's talk about them. Uh, has this been the quietest quarter of a billion dollars ever spent on a statewide race in the history of our country, Ronner and Pritzker? I mean, do you sense any real interest in the governor's race? It's almost being forced upon the electorate to choose between these two. It seems to me. I can't escape. Pritzker, he's got so much money that... Um, but not enough for toilets. Not enough for toilets. Or property taxes. The toilet thing, I can't let that go. I just can't. As you know... Uh, Is it the fraud part of it, or what, which part of it can't you let go? Well, uh, the Cook County Inspector General right, came out with a report saying that, I think, for exposition, Pritzker had taken the toilets, had bought a, a building, a mansion next to his own, mm -hmm. taken the toilets out of it to make it uninhabitable, mm -hmm. and then got a property tax reduction of, what, $230,000 or $300,000? Yeah, north of $300,000. Yeah, it's three thirty, so that he could, uh, uh, because he was living next to an inhabitable building. Right. Now, right? you know, the most shocking thing about that Inspector General's report was finding out there's a Cook County Inspector General. That was one. Yeah. But here's the, the thing that bothers me. And I know Christian McQuarrie and others are, you know, who does that and how terrible that is. Mike Madigan, his boss, right, because if, Pritz, if uh, Pritzker is elected, he will be the Mr. Belvedere for Mike Madigan and bring him apple slices or whatever he wants on the silver platter. That's sort of a cheap shot. Yeah, Christopher well, Hewitt. I, really? I mean, it's a great show. Um, I was thinking more Clifton Webb, <laughs> but, a, but a fat one. Um, no, uh, the thing that bothers me about it is the, the Inspector General's report mentions the wife, MK, and um, others that were involved in coming up with this idea. If you're running for governor, would you let your wife get thrown under the bus? I mean, is I that can't, a trick question? I cannot see. I can't see Mike Madigan. Say, if there was some, you know, Illinois Arts Council issue, <laughs> you know, maybe some, uh, uh, you know, communist socialist poet from Argentina or wherever Venezuela uh, was not, you know, absconded with cash. Mike would not let his surely take the fall, and Pritzker lets his wife take the fall. What kind of guy does that? What kind of guy lets your lets his wife take the fall on a tax dodge? Well, I mean, it's not like she's going to be indicted or anything. Just to do it. He should stand, shouldn't he stand up? Kind of like... He is standing. It just doesn't look like it. 
kind of like an I am Spartacus moment and stand up there and say, hey, damn it. I am Cory Booker. I am, and I, I am Pritzker. And I told my wife to do this. It bothers me. Do you think he's the head of their household any more than Bruce Rauner's the head of his? I'm not going to be as negative on Bruce I'm Rauner. asking a question. That was a neutral question. That's, I, I, will, I have to learn how to avoid question, direct questions. Let me ask you another them. question then. Do you think that when J.B. Pritzker sits around his house, he literally sits around his house? Do you think? Uh, so, nice. On a serious note, the property tax fraud issue. Correct. Has Rauner properly capitalized on that? Because, you know, committing property tax fraud when you're a multi-billionaire in a state with the highest property tax in the nation where people are literally being forced out of their homes and out of the state because of confiscatory property taxes, you think that might have some resonance, but it's uh, not necessarily manifesting itself in the polls. No, and uh, I, don't think he, I don't think he's taken advantage of it. As, I don't think he played it as he should have. I mean, I've, how many columns did I have to write saying that uh, I would like to see three fat plumbers with short T-shirts, you know, the whole plumber yeah. butt crack thing, sure. push, you know, <coughs> pushing the, the toilets down. He kind that of had that good. spoof, ad, you know, the, the, the comedy ad over the summer, and then he's made an issue of it late at, when that Inspector General report came out. But, I mean, he really hasn't driven it home. It's not just funny like it's there's a ridicule aspect to it that's legitimate but there's also the do you understand this guy defrauded you you're paying right. higher property taxes because, because of what he did right and say is that direct he didn't do it and uh unfortunately he didn't because and the wife thing i'm i'm serious madigan is not a fool like or a cartoon as uh, Rauner and some others have tried to make him. Mm -hmm. He watches stuff like that. He sees there's Pritzker. He's, he's letting his wife take the fall. I mean, he everything goes into this, you know, into that Dickensian uh, brain of his. Right. Okay. But um, the bottom. And he sees a weakness, and that's a weak. To me, that's a weakness. But but the strength, which is I hate to subscribe, you know, ascribe uh, virtues to male and female and husband and wife. But no guy I know, I wouldn't let my wife take the fall for it. No, that's, I agree. And neither with you. would you. I agree with you. I, no, I mean, I, I think that's a legit. I actually think that's a legitimate, legitimate point. It's another thing that Ronner could say, if he was a guy like the guys you know. Okay, let's get it. This, I brought this recorder because I'm doing a column. Yeah. And I might as well. Um, Are you Rod Rosen signing me? Are you oh, please. Get a 25th Amendment, me? Uh, so. Uh, I'd like to know. I mean, what, I, what I'm interested in, Dan Proft. Yeah. Is. Um, I'm interested to see if you know how to work that phone. I can barely work the phone. All right. Okay. No, you're on. Oh, okay. 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 Taping you? Yeah, I mean, it's right. being filmed, too. Right. Okay. I know. Once, <laughs> yeah. once I. One, years ago, I'd taken a. Um, I'd taken a a box of Irish spring soap mm -hmm. and a bath towel, the city hall, to do a, you know, to take a shower in the $200,000 uh, shower that a budget director had built there. Mm -hmm. And I was making fun of it. Yeah. And in the video, the Tribune video, I was also like writing notes down on paper and that people were mocking me like, why are you writing notes down? It's already on video. Technology mystifies you. Okay. We get it. So the question. You don't like Bruce Rauner. Well, it's not about like or dislike for me. It's about um, betrayal. And this is like, oh, he screwed up. Oh, he made some mistakes. It's about betrayal. It's about uh, sticking your allies in the back repeatedly. And my point is, it's a very simple one. This whole, like, be a team player and this and that. I, I don't know. What is being a team player um, when you're being bayoneted in the back by members of your team. Oh, hey, hey. For I, example? As, well, I mean, I mean, on issues? Yes, sir. House Bill 40, uh -huh. sanctuary state, junk science on gender, surrendering on the largest state income tax increase in Illinois history with a third of the caucus that he finances going south on him to pass it over his veto. I would say that one should have been, he should have, I don't know why he didn't call them in the room and introduce them to uh, 
the Nutcracker. Right, for that's example. right. But right, so the fact he didn't, the fact he played Pontius Pilate instead, says something. And he, he spent wanted, the money. He right, and he spent the money. He wanted it. He didn't want to wear the jacket for it. That's a cowardly act. It's a disingenuous act. And for people who went to math for him, it's a another act of betrayal. The bailout of Exelon, so the same sort of uh, corporate crony crap that has made the state a kleptocracy. Somebody used to refer to the combine. Yeah. Right, I wonder right. who that was. Yeah, a, a columnist guy. from a long time ago. Right. Um, and so, when he was a man, when right, he was truly a right. man in those days. So, I mean, that's, right. so that's just sort of off the top. And also competence issues and honesty issues with respect to how he handled the Quincy Veterans Home. I mean, these are, so these are substantive issues. So everybody's saying, oh, it's personal, it's this, and you don't like him. I don't like or dislike politicians. I don't fall in love with politicians. You're either the vehicle for what you said you would do, or you're not. And if you're not, you should be replaced. And if the Republican Party can't hold people who betray people who betray you will deny me thrice. The, the base right, of exactly. the party, then then we have no uh, discipline, we have no value, and we are going to be deserving of no trust. And this is why Ronner finds himself, you know, having a tough time eclipsing thirty percent of the vote against this buffoon billionaire of an opponent, Pritzker. I mean, there's a reason why things are the way they are, and everybody wants to say, well, you're not being nice, or you're being mean. It has nothing to do it's with absurd. mean or nice. Yeah. But I would ask you, the alternative, this is what frosts me, because the alternative is Pritzker. And Pritzker means a state income tax of gargantuan proportions, he won't even, he doesn't even have the decency to deal, to address what the specifics are of the tax he's going to levy. Well, he's still want, trying to survey uh, the... Uh, he's listening, yeah. He's, he's listening. not listening to her. He's yeah. surveying the General Assembly to find out what middle class income is. He's not, he's not heard this term I love before. it when Democrats talk about the middle class and then they never define uh -huh. what that is. Although Ron are defining a 50 to 200 grand, uh, so that everybody's in the middle class. I mean, the median, this is not complicated, by the way. The median household income in the state is $54,000. So that gives you sort of center cut of where middle-income families are, because you know what median means, right? So anyway. Um, we're getting lost, but we're, you're taking me into the weeds here, Dan. Okay, well, pull me back out. I want to look, you look at the big picture. I'm wondering if it's time for conservatives to go, look, we've kicked Browner in the butt, but really we should come home because... The alternative of Pritzker is too much to bear. And uh -huh. Rauner, I have been critical of him when he was running against Gene, uh, Gene Ives with those ridiculous ads that she was Mike Madigan's uh, child, yeah, daughter. Right. But I look at the alternative and I'm thinking, is this a responsible thing to go, you know, to basically usher in Pritzker without a fight? Or should conservatives come back home, well, even if he's the imperfect vessel, as we say? Does this uh, this uh, rings very familiar to me? It's the same argument that was made in defense of Mark Kirk in 2014. It wasn't to, me. Well, okay. Well, I did then, not defend him. Then you have to explain yourself because. But well, look what we got, well, Tammy Duckworth. I know. Thank but, you. But 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 the she's going to breastfeed her child in the. I, it's, and that's right. her policy well, position. She's got right. Schumer and Durbin to help with that. But, mm -hmm. but here's the thing. The argument was made. The wet nurses. The argument was made. Yeah. you got to come back home from Mark Kirk, even though he's stuck in your back at every turn, because control of the Senate could hang in the balance. And so, Mark, we need to support Mark Kirk's reelection. I didn't buy that argument then, because you, you're, you can forever make that argument. So then there's no standard. There's nothing you can't do because in the general election, you'll be running against someone slightly worse, and so then we're all supposed to come home and continue this descent into madness. And I'm not going to do that. I didn't do it with Mark Kirk, and I won't do it with Ronner. All right. I grant you the point, but then there's another aspect of this. Are there those present company not accepted mm -hmm. in, this, in this argument that say we shall not forgive Rauner, who would stand a benefit from, notice I'm trying to do this diplomatically because we're friends, stand, <laughs> yes, stand to benefit <coughs> from the destruction of the Republican Party and the rebuilding of that party. The Republican Party has Meaning, been destroyed. 
the Republican Party is a legal fiction right now at present. Oh, because why? Because the, they, the they don't have candidates in uh, how many races, and Arthur no. Jones is the candidate in the third. This, well, yeah. yeah, I mean that's that doesn't help. Right. That sort of sort of goes to my argument. Right. So, I mean the with the Republican Party is Bruce Rauner's checkbook. That that's not sustainable. So the Republican Party is either going to reconsider... The lesser of two weevils, Dan. Yes, but the Republican Party is either going to reconsider itself, even if by some miracle Bruce Runner won, the, the party is either going to reconsider and reintroduce itself as having something to say that's important to people's lives and it, having the courage to back up what they say or not. It's it's really that simple. So, thank for you example, for joining me on this. Where I question Dan. Well, in well this, I uh, mean, but so for example, I mean, so you know, me and other people that are part of my little cabal, evil, uh, evil cabal. You know, of course, um, we're supporting. I don't know, fifteen legislative candidates around the state. We're focusing. We've done SaveYourHomeNow.org campaign, right. focusing on property taxes. We're supporting uh, incumbent holds. We're and supporting open seat uh, holds that are Republican, uh, have been held by Republicans, and we're supporting challengers against incumbent Democrats. So, you know, there's there's the, there's the sort of uh, a competition going on, a bit of a science fair, and we're presenting our project and our, our theory about uh, this particular issue called organizing a political party and trying to save the state from itself. And uh, Benedict Rauner and the Surrender Republicans are presenting a different project. And then it's up to the Republican primary voters and uh, the powers that be and the financiers to decide which mousetrap they like best. Just as just as we presented a choice in the primary with Jeannie Ives, and they narrowly chose to, to, to uh, continue with Bruce Rauner. And there are consequences to choices. So we presented a choice. You're, they rejected that choice. Fine, fair, Dan, square. Dan and then there's Prof, consequences to it. Dan Proft always talks about the politics is not a zero-sum game. I've heard Dan Prof say yeah, this, right? right? So there's another third wave here. Okay. Um, Rauner loses. Pritzker wins. Takes orders from Mike Madigan and the and the unions that uh, finance the finance whole thing. Mike Madigan. And thousands of people leave the state mm -hmm. and say, "This is our cue to leave the state of Illinois. The, the most progress, the, the most." Productive people, the people that earn and save and pay taxes are like refugees, like Armenian refugees from the Turks. So we're not a, a arguing a degree, a, a difference in kind. We're arguing a difference in degree because that's what they've been doing for the last four years under Rauner. Right. But if, if Pritzker is in, the floodgates open up more. Probably so, particularly if they go with a graduate state income tax or a less alstry tax or pension tax or whatever else they want to tax. But um, so m my point, though I think it's a bit misunderstood, do I think Ronald would be marginally better than Pritzker? Yeah. My point is, it's a fait accompli. I've been saying it for a year and a half. If he is the nominee, we're going to lose the race. So I'm saying, I'm telling you what's going to happen. I'm making a positive statement. Here's what's going to happen. I think I happen. said the same thing. Right. Here's what's going okay. to happen. So you know, people want to argue this normative. Here's what should happen. Well, guess what? Um, we're in October, and that's very unlikely to happen. I said it was not going to happen for all of these reasons, which have all borne out. If, right. if the you know, assuming the outcome is what I suggested it would be, and you suggest it would be, so then it's a well, question. Knew, of, that's it. a question of what, where, where do we go from here? I knew it when when he signed House Bill Forty. He just shot off the blew his foot off his right foot or his right hand, and you don't kill your base as you're going into a general election. You don't do it. And he did it. But that said, uh, if he if Pritzker wins, then, uh, and, and that means, which we haven't talked about, the down ballot, right? Right. Because this debacle also affects people running in state legislative races and in the in Congress, I understand. I mean, I, I I'm involved in all these races. I see it. I, I understand it, but that's the reality of the political landscape. So, I just go back to say, I, this is a political landscape. How did we get here? How did we get this political landscape? Here's how we got here. Are there any lessons to be learned if the numbers hold where they are now? There are, 
are we going to learn them and chart a different course on no starting November 7th? That's, that, to me, is the big question if what's predicted comes to pass. Well, I still haven't decided whether I'm going to ask conservatives to come back for Pritzker reasons. But I understand that the party itself, the Republican Party, I've never seen it so bad. I've never seen it so weak, and I've never seen it so almost like you feel like taking a pillow and doing a, you know, putting it over, you know, just pushing down. Well, I mean, so... It, I mean, I felt bad when but that's, when Edgar was running with Bill Cellini and big Bob Shalander, and he was being called a reformer and a hero and all that, and I could see it then. And Thompson with his wild spending plans, I could see it then. It's like they lost their way. There was no way. Right, and that's sort of a remarkable statement you just made, considering you have a guy who spent $125 million of his own money, uh, has has his guy in there as the House Minority Leader, has his guy in there as the Senate Minority Leader, has his guy in there as the State Party Chairman. He had the run of the place. And this is where we're at. With And, and so it's not a resource issue anymore. You can't say, oh, well, if only we had the money Madigan is. We've had it. Now, then you, he ran into a billionaire that could come over the top on him the way he came over the top with Quinn, and he doesn't like it. Well, that's tough. That's what happens when you fall in love with a checkbook rather than build infrastructure and have a purpose and have a, have a robust, dynamic organization that recruits and develops talent. So those were choices that were made for the past four years. And so the statement you just made, you've never seen it weaker in your lifetime, is an incredible indictment well, of I the see, actual performance. I see Pritzker coming to devour the state. Well, I see this well, gargantuan... Madigan already beat him to it. Yeah, that's why I can only remember eat an the apple night for king? lunch. He's already full on remember you know, the other night people's king? dreams. You were going to use the night king. I remember you were thinking about this. We talked about it once. The night king from Game of Thrones. Mm -hmm. You know that. Mm -hmm. You know he touches you. You turn to ice. Mm -hmm. You were going to use that on the Madigan piece. Never saw it. It's almost like your animosity or understanding of Madigan's role hasn't changed. But you've you've kind of your understanding that Rauner is equally to blame for all this for his weakness. Well, you just said that um, Pritzker is going to be Madigan's order taker. Don't you think so? Yeah. So what's I mean, the, look. So what's, so, so, what's, so what's changed? Has he ever had a job? Jamie Pritzker. Yeah. Has he ever done a lick of besides blaming his wife for the bleeping toilets? Has he ever done anything? I don't know. I mean, according to commercials, he's done a lot. So I don't, I what? Don't know. He grew up a poor he was raised billionaire? A, he was raised by a single mom. It's a real story of overcoming challenges, beating the odds. All right, so what, we, let's dismiss now the rounder, All right. since I'm taking over your prep podcast. No, it's, it's, you know, what your about, view is I'm, we're trying to help you work through this you. Uh, conundrum you have, whether to make this clarion call for conservatives or not. What about the rest of the ballot? What what effect will does this have on the down ballot, particularly legislative races that you... Well, it's a drag. Out? It doesn't mean that they're unwinnable, but it's a drag. There's no question. And in the suburbs, let's be real honest with ourselves, again, part of the political landscape, whether you want to believe it or not, or you want to you know, say it's fair or not, is that Trump is a drag in uh, the suburbs and the collar counties. So those are additional hurdles to overcome. Uh, but, um, you know, when there's no value proposition for the party and there's no kind of purpose to run other than you can't turn it over to this guy, when, when people have made their judgment on you and you're, the closest thing you can come to a mea culpa is to say, you know what my problem was, I was too courageous. You know, ha have your little uh, tiny dancer in the cardigan sweater moment. And people are just like, you know, what, go, the go, pound, go pound sand. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Give me another chance, you know. Uh, or you could let Pritzker I'll be come better out. this time. I'm not letting anybody do anything. I'm just telling, I go, go back and say, I'm just telling you what I think is going to happen and why it's going to happen. Yes, uh, Dan. All right. You were saying <laughs> on your show that I've taken over, I've appropriated your show. Switching gears. Mm -hmm. uh, speaking of trying, arguing about which is the tallest skyscraper in Wichita, the, the mayor's race. The Chicago, Chicago mayor's race. That is the main event is there in, any, Chicago, in politics in the state. Is there anybody in the mayor, the field right now, 
excluding yourself for a moment, mm -hmm. who represents the possibility of system change? Yes. There are several. Okay. Um, Troy LaRavier or Jamal Green would represent system change. Uh-huh. In what way? You might not like the system that they change. Um, to disband the police force? I mean, what do you mean? What would the system correct. change be? Tony Preckwinkle or Bill Daly would be status quo. Um, they're, they're two horns on the head of the same goat, and they're running the same kind of campaign. Uh, you know, I'm Tony Preckwinkle. I'm, although, did you notice uh, Maxine Waters did not come into town? She was a no-show for that she big event. She was a no-show. That kind of depressed me. I lost a whole column on that. Would have been great. Another Maxine Waters casualty. Oh, yeah. yeah. And uh, what about Paul Vallis? What about Paul Vallis? I think that there's something there. I think that there's something there. Although, personally, I I was talking to a can another candidate for mayor. And uh, this candidate, a prominent political person, said, uh, oh, yeah, Cass, I understand you, you're Greek. He's Greek. It's a Greek thing. And I counted to 10. And then I told him, the next person who drops that, I will, I will go Darth Bleep Invader. Because I think of, I don't like being, I don't like identity politics, number one. I hate it, and I hate what it does in terms of thinking, and I hate that whole ethnic nonsense. But that's what we do here. That's what everybody, I mean, look at what we're doing now with the, Who's the Latino candidate going to be? Now that uh, Chewy dropped out, Susana Mendoza, she wins re-election, she'll be the Latina or Latino candidate. And this whole idea that, you know, it's the irony of all of these identity politics obsessed, uh, you know, intellectual midgets is they talk... I've mentioned the Latino lack of Latino candidate as well. Well, but they, they talk... Because Ram was running as Zorro. Well, I understand, but, but they, they talk... They talk unity, right? Bring the city together, and but and and they but they're advocates for balkanization. Exactly. Unity, unity, unity. Okay, we have to have a Latino candidate. We have to yeah. have a black candidate. We have to have a Greek candidate. We right. have to have an Irish well, candidate. Get, get into the Greek candidate thing. So I tell this candidate who brought brought it up on a, on the phone call. So it was, we were off the record. People can call me and beef and bed shit they want. Yeah. I said uh, I want you to remember this name. Nicholas Blaze. Remember Nick Blaze? The mayor of Niles. He married my godmother. Then he went to prison. He went to prison, and before he went to prison, I said he sh they should double his um, sentence, and if he dies in jail, too bleeping bad. And when, uh, and I haven't spoken to my godmother for 20 years, and I love her. But you know what? He was Greek, right? And then, remember Alexei Janoulias? Yeah, he was the he failed mob banker, ran against Mark Kirk in 2010. And his friend, uh, his friends... Uh, at Josh the, Urango. Josh Urango. Thank you, Dan. Yeah. Uh, and it's I kind of... have friends named Josh. I, yeah. At the Polecats. Was he, was he? I think he was the director of beverages or something. Beverage consultant. It's a going concern. Mm-hmm. And I remember getting kind of like lit up a little bit from Greeks. Why aren't you with them? You're Greek, they're Greek. And I hate it. And I ripped them even, I said, thank you very much. I'm gonna write another Janilius column right now. And it's that attitude that I told this fellow, this candidate, drop the bullshit. Excuse me, you have to cut that out. Yeah, you know, I drop the bullshit. That's right, the city club. Because I will drop a hammer on him. I think that Vallis represents the... I see Mendoza coming in, Susanna Mendoza. She's running for uh, state controller now. Democrat, she's a Mike Madigan creature. So you're going to have Mike Madigan being the boss of the, Illinois, having the governor bringing him apples on a silver platter, 
and having the mayor of Chicago in his pocket? I don't think so. Then you have Preckwinkle and Daly. I don't see it. Well, so why is Vallis interesting? I mean, I, um, well, I want to hear what you I say. I want to hear I, your criticisms. Well, I, I'm not going to defend him, but I I, I, I... I mean, of the field? I mean, he's the only adult in the field. I'll grant you that. Yeah. He's the only one with specific plans, a specific understanding of the city budget. Um, he's he's uh, wonkish to a fault because he, on the stump and, and speed, he gets a little wonkish. He gets a little two green eye shades. Correct. And you got to have kind of a clear message that you're driving. Um, but... But so that's more of a criticism of his sort of political discipline and messaging chops, not his intellect or his seriousness about K through 12 reform. I mean, I like that he's got a track record of supporting school choice and charter schools, not just here when he was CPS superintendent, but in, in Philadelphia, in New Orleans. A school, a charter school, one of them that uh, takes uh, at-risk kids, still still in existence today, and basically saved. Thousands of kids. Yeah, look, I, I, you know, and and I don't, I don't think he's some sort of messiah. And no, there's I'm, no such thing exactly, as a messiah. Exactly. And so I, I want a strong right. council. I want a strong city council. Well, you're not going to get that because of who's on the city council. Talk about I mean, 50 train seals. Pigeon or 40 pigeon race, racings to make 47. pigeon racing to make the Polish community happy. I mean, I'm sorry. I mean, look, so, so, so I could see Vallis as that would mark. An improvement, but it's interesting to see that Vallis is having a hard time putting the scratch together because the financier class is going to. That's interesting daily. because they're going to. Okay, let's do largely. You know, one of the things I hate about politics and political writing is that people who never covered boxing mention that it's like a prize fight, but in let, styles make fights. Yeah. All right. So matchups count, as you know from your political work. Match me, Daly versus Preckwinkle. Who wins? Preckwinkle. Correct. Because why? Black another unions. And, and another fifty years of Daly is like really exciting. Like let's go to the That's next. One. And also, Bill Daly's a, a dope. I mean, so there's I don't that. Think he's a dope, but he's. Well, uh, I do. That's why I said it. He's a dope. Um, he's never done anything in his life. He's like sort of a a mini-me of J.B. Pritzker. He's just ri ri ridden on the coattails of his uh, brothers, and they let him dress in a suit and go be a J.P. Morgan and pretend he's a businessman. I mean, I'd like to see Michael Daly. Is the, he's, Michael's a boss. Well, Michael's smart. He's, you know, there's, there's going right. to be one smart one in every family that big. But but here's the thing. So he loses to Pritzker. But Daly's a bad candidate. Daly's not good at the stomp. He's not going to be good at messaging either. He has nothing okay. to say and nothing to propose. So well, you, that so you, so the question is the, the the question is if you're handicapping this. Yeah. Can Vallis? That's what we're doing. Right. So can Vallis not only get into that first or second slot with say Preckwinkle, who's sort of a soft front runner, but then can he pull together all of the uh, the the the, the a more difficult coalition to herd because she'll have all the institutional interests. Because that, I think, is why I like, <coughs> I like the candidacy, because of what you said. Because the, to bring those coalitions together is what is necessary to save the city. Yeah. And get away from the knee-jerk uh, black messiah, white messiah BS. Now, if you look at Vallis, I mean, uh, Preckwinkle versus Daly, you said Daly loses, right? Mm -hmm. I agree. Uh, let's, Preckwinkle versus McCarthy. Preckwinkle, I mean, that'd be a walk. Right. So if you're, you, you mentioned that the business community is all with Daly, even though Bill just signed it. I think he raised like almost a million, but he gave himself 500,000. Yeah. So he's really only raised 500. Uh, why is the business community with Daly then? If you if can't they do the math that you just did in your head, based on matchups? Well, I, uh, I mean, there's a number of reasons, but let's just say that because they owe them. Well, that's that may be part of it. The other part of it is though too is, I mean, the C-suites in in the city are full of cowards too, and they're full of people. Who, Not Bill Wirtz. Uh, Rocky Wirtz. I mean Rocky. Well, I'm not right. I'm not saying completely. I'm not saying completely. I'm saying generally. Because remember, generally, all the people who've been in charge here for a hundred years right. in the city and state right. have been financed by the same guys. 
So how are they doing? What's the track record? Right. How are all of your guys performing? Because, you know, it's the old line that you like to quote from Bill Cellini. It's the, when they're in charge, we're in. When we're in charge, we're in. We're always in. Right? right. So they've always been in. Even when they back the wrong horse initially, they get around to the right horse be, in terms of who wins. But, but they get around always, almost almost religiously to the wrong horse in terms of anybody that's going to do anything positive for this state and city. Otherwise, this wouldn't be the worst governed city in the country in the worst governed state Dan, in American history. Dan, Dan, Dan. Have I not taught you anything? I'm sorry, Father. The what is the what are people's favorite subjects themselves? Sport. Oh, yeah. Besides sports, whether the, besides the fire sucks. Okay, the second favorite is what's the fire? Right. Okay, just remember this for your grandchildren later. Please save this. Um, <laughs> and all they want. Really, I mean, it's almost like to see. It's almost like a cartoon of a of a Balkan nation a hundred years ago with uh, bankers and uh, officials hoping to find some strongman, some pasha that they can kiss the hand. <laughs> they want to kiss the hand. That's what they want. They they don't care about the city. They care about themselves and the next cycle or two fiscal years. Why the old politics has to go if the city's going to survive is because of that. What about a Republican candidate for mayor? I know it's a nonpartisan race, oh, but what about me? a center-right candidate for mayor, yourself like, excluded for a moment? Like Dan Proft. No. Why, why, why do you dismiss it all the time? I mean, hello. I'm, I'm asking you a question. Why, Fi sh why shouldn't I dismiss it? I used to tell people, find me a a black conservative Republican yeah. conservative. Yeah. You win the race. Where's I'm person? down for that. Where is it? I mean, where's a conservative? I mean, you know, finding conservative Republicans generally is difficult, regardless of race. I mean, so, look, I, I agree, but this is, and so this is another failure of the Republican Party, back to that, but this, this once in a century opportunity. We haven't, we haven't fielded a, a, a legitimate candidate that's from the center right since Don Hader in 1987. And, I mean, a legitimate person, an adult, a successful adult who was competent. And, and against a weak incumbent, Tiny Dancer 15, no challenge, to at least establish a totally chat and extend, extend the conversation, ex expand the parameters of conversation. So I think there's a great opportunity here, but I don't think I'm the, I don't think I'm the right guy for it. Well, I don't see one. That's even trying to raise a profile. Part of it is you need somebody that's willing to say, I'm going to do this to establish that beachhead and to present some ideas and positions that people haven't even contemplated because it hasn't been presented to them in a, in a interesting or thoughtful or salient way. And so, you know, like, look, we got, we got lots of talented people who live in the city, lots of very successful people. What? So somebody comes out of retirement. I mean, they're retired now from a career in business or whatever. And they say, I'm going to be at least a spokesman for our issues. We've seen that in congressional races. I don't see why we can't get that in a mayor's race. Because anyone who, who dared stand up against Rom risked having their entire lives destroyed. People were afraid of him because he's a knife fighter. And they yeah, knew but, that but, Oppo, anybody. Yeah, but, but, no, but wait a second. We're starting from the premise that a Republican has a slim to none chance of playing in this race. Or the race in 15 for that Isn't matter. Isn't Gary McCarthy so, so, running as so a Trump candidate? So why would you be candidate? focused on He's not running as a Trump candidate. Yes, he is. He's the Trump candidate. Well, maybe, he's the, maybe, he's the, I'm gonna, maybe in persona. Or, but, or uh, Jerry Joyce's kid, another one. Well, he hasn't even showed up on the radar yet. They're out there with the bagpipes. Yeah, okay. Uh, it's, yeah. Those, those bagpipes are very faint at this, at this moment. Yeah. I can barely hear. So, so again, I but I'm, I ask the same question. What do you? What is there to be afraid of? They wouldn't train their sights on you because you're not going to be relevant in all likelihood, right? You're not going to be a threat to the nomination. You're not even going to be a threat to the runoff. It would literally be, you'd have to go into it believing, even if you had resources you're willing to spend of your own and generate, you'd have to be go into it saying we're going to. You know, put a flag down in Chicago if and I had try and that, build something around it. If I had that kind of money, I'd rather buy a newspaper to, if you're going to have an impact. 
Well, okay. Run for office. Well, okay. But so to my point, but but I appreciate that you want me to run into Panzer Fire. Thank you very Thank much. Thank you. Yes, please. I'm glad go ahead. I'm thinking about this right. Yeah, run please, you there. run. It'll be fun for me to right. watch. Yeah. Yes, it will yeah. be. Okay. Yeah. And as you carry your head home, right? You know, holding it, holding it before you, your sightless no. eyes shining into the darkness, looking as somebody's for that one carrying eye. My, as somebody's oh, carrying my head. Yes, I'm sorry. Yeah. I'm getting my art. You would have to be like my Tennyson. My You'd have Google to be writing art. like uh, right. Charge of the Light Brigade in my honor or something Ulysses. like this. Uh, yeah, exactly. Ulysses return. So, so, uh, so, but, but, so on the mayor's race, if yeah. it, if it is going to be, let's not change a thing in 19 and we stick with Daly or Preckwinkle or some other instrument of the status quo, then what happens to the city and by extension the state? Goes. Go, what does that mean? Like civil unrest goes or what? Look, there are neighborhoods, as you know, that many people who like read my column or re watch the news, they don't even know. They don't even go through the neighborhoods. Right. On the south and west side, people are shot in the face. They're shot off their porches. They're shot going to school. This is slaughter, mayhem, ignorance, fear. It's dangerous, and it's just ready to go. There's hopelessness. They can't get, seem to get capital. You know, tr for example, Trump has offered this in his tax plan. Uh, brother, can you pair a dime? Remember Jack Kemp? I mean, a similar idea to get capital into these neighborhoods through tax credits, etc. It has to be done. I mean, if you're going to look for the future of the city, that has to happen. You just can't have uh, Paris, you know, like this, uh, the central city protected and then all around it uh, ready to ready to torch. Is that your match. greatest fear of uh, about the future of the city? I don't know about my greatest fear, but it's out there. Well, I mean, you have to you have to you think about the misery and the suffering of people, the people that have been destroyed. Uh, I know they don't like it when I say it, left hates it, but, you know, Daniel Patrick Moynihan was correct. And people don't, didn't listen to him, and too bad. But I see generation after generation, you do too. When you ran for governor, you mentioned it. And people don't want to hear you because they'd rather have, what, some truck pull up and some Democratic commitment throwing hams and turkeys off the back of the truck. Vote for me. Here's your turkey. Here's your ham. That stuff is so old. Well, it's but it's it's new every cycle because it continues to work. So how do you stop it? I interviewed uh, for my podcast, and I think I did a column on it. Um, the Chicago way, by the way. Yeah. Um, William Calloway. Yeah, the one of the kind of the citizen journalists that got the Laquan McDonald tape released. He got the he was one the activist from South Shore, right there from seventy first and. Jeffrey, where that blow-up happened in the summer. Interesting. I had it. We were sitting in the car, the recorder, doing the podcast, and I mentioned the mayoral candidates. I mentioned Tony Preckwinkle. Silence. I said, "Well, I brought up the, you know, hams and turkeys. That whole Democrat. It's not hams and turkeys now. It's grants. What they use is." They use government grants, yeah, and it's the same damn thing. It's not about unleashing potential. It's about controlling development. And uh, he was very, uh, he was rather unimpressed. I just found that to be interesting, that, cons that for political purposes, that uh, activist, you know, here you have Tony Preckwinkle. She's supposed to be the, the black candidate now. To get back to uh, identity politics. Well, so what's it? Not interesting. Well, so what? Right, it's Maze Jackson who's on BON. We've had on the show. Yeah. To, you, you know Maze. I know Maze. Right. I mean, he's the one who I stole his uh, moniker for her, Queen Sugar. I mean, he's no fan of Tony Preckwinkle either. No, he's not. So, so maybe there's uh, generations that are in their twenties. But is 30s, Lori Lightfoot? 40s. Is Lori Lightfoot the candidate to take her on? I don't think so. No, I mean she's she's like an, a she's a, like like a. Like a, a reflection of Tony Preckwinkle, it's the same candidate. I I'm mean, just trying to get polished. past. I'm just trying to but, get past the racial stuff. Okay, but so here, but here's here's the question though. So where's the talent? 
Where's the political talent in this field? Where's the political talent in the state? I just told you. No, well, what? I told you, I thought, I think Ballas is the best candidate. No, no, okay. Well, yeah, but but he's also 65. I'm saying, where is the... Young pl- talent? Like Young talent across racial demographics, across ideological demographics. The interesting thing to me is, you know, all these people, Val's 65, Frank Weekle's 70, Daly's 70, all these people are from, they're all baby boomers. There is Correct. no second level talent, political talent, political leadership in the state at any level. What do you expect in a state that's run by warlords? The state, downstate Republicans, the Republican Party has all, for many, many years, dominated by the silent laugher who's under the radar, Bill Salini, until he went away for uh, a baseball season. And his wife came up to me at federal court and said, hello, Mr. Cass. I'm Mrs. Cellini. Mm-hmm. Give me that look. I was like, wow. That's good. She didn't give you the Judas kiss, did she? She didn't kiss me. Um, but so... Oh, but I mean, you have... This is, the, this is what happens. When you have warlords, just like up north here in Chicago, the Dailies, the Madigans, they strangle young people. They strangle the young. They allow certain people to survive because it's to their benefit. Or they mold them like Susanna Mendoza. So, what would you like to see? What watershed moment do you do? You, could you see that would reshuffle the deck in the city or state with respect to these topics? Is this like about? some kind of Socratic dialogue where you're going to lead me to? Th- no, this? I'm asking you a question, and then I'll give you the answer. Well, just give it. Uh, no, I'm not. No, I'm asking a question. What would you like to see, or what do you think is a realistic moment that the landscape provides for? That could that could truly reshuffle the deck. Is it Vallis being elected uh, against the sort of the institutional I that, candidates? I think that Vallis being elected against those candidates and with some progressive. See, the thing is interesting to me. I saw, just coming from a city club luncheon, and there I see Scott Wogspeck. Okay, yeah, I'm not a progressive. I like him. We disagree on many things, but I I don't doubt his honesty or concern. Right, and. Um, Another fire fan, and uh, and I, I I was interested by this, that here are the progressives, as represented by the leader of their caucus, there at the Paul Vallis event, knowing that reporters would see them and question them. To me, that, that it was interesting, but it's I'm not giving you uh, the earth shattering, life changing moment that you will drop upon me now. No, I, so I, I'm no, fortified I, with a good scotch, no, and I'd like to hear it. No, I, I, do, I mean, as long, as long as you keep running the same game, you're going to get uh, the same outcomes within, you know, within a, a very narrow variance. And so I, I, I don't see it, is what I'm saying. I don't see it. When does the, I, I don't when see does it. the Dan Prof talks about the Ponzi scheme. Yeah. You've talked about the pension issue, the Ponzi scheme, the, the taxes and so forth. When does that hit critical mass? And these coppers and firefighters, oh, sorry, we can only pay you 50 cents on the dollar. When does that happen? Well, I mean, now that uh, Tiny Dancer's abandoned the $10 million borrowing scheme on his way out the door. Scoop and toss, yeah. Yeah, then you're you're talking about, you know, police and fire pension funds that are a couple, three years from being unable to pay up current beneficiaries. So maybe that's it. I mean... I was looking for like a positive watershed moment that the landscape provides for to put to stitch together this coalition you're talking about Vallis would have to put together. But maybe that's not it. Maybe it's going to have to be a, a true cataclysmic event that will be the watershed event. And it will be police and fire banging on City Hall's doors or litigation and rolling protests in Daly Plaza you know, and the, the public sector unions kind of cannibalizing one another. I don't know. That, you know Martin that to Koldike? Me, Martin Koldike. One of the, you know, Brahmins, right? Yeah. Of Chicago. He was on the school board years ago. There was going to be a strike, CTU strike. I'm in a hospital with pneumonia, literally. Martin's on the phone, calls me, and we got to talk. I'm like, I'm in the hospital. I'm dying of pneumonia. And he goes, there's going to be a strike. I said, let it be a strike. Burn it down, mm-hmm. which is what you've said with respect to some of the state union work workers 
demands, and Rauner refused to Scott Walker it, right? Right. Correct. I mean, it seems to me, so you have to, it's not about breaking unions as a matter no, of course. It's public sector unions being very specific. It's AFSCME and SEIU and the teachers unions being even more specific. And until you wrestle control of the state away from them, I just, I just see things continue to get worse. And they have shown that they are more than ready to liquidate any asset that exists. You think uh, you think Daly did a good job of liquidating assets for pennies on the dollar when right. he was mayor. You haven't seen anything yet. They're liquidating everybody's home. But right. The problem is these, this counterintuitive dynamic where the worse they make it and the more they force people out, getting out from underneath their home, right. the better it gets for them because who's left? Beneficiaries of transfer payments and champagne socialists. And so that's why I see even with that, events coming to pass, then all of a sudden, what, you're going to have a mass epiphany and people are going to say, let's get a conservative reformer in the mayor's on the fifth floor. Let's get a conservative reformer in the governor's mayor's. Out of the ashes. That's all there. Really, we are on the way to that. All right. Federal races in Illinois. You've got competitive congressional. Roscombe. Roscombe, Hulkerin, and Boss downstate. And then uh, you've got the prospect of uh, Saka Durbin is up for re-election in 2020. He's a good Catholic. Yeah, that's right. Uh, so have you now or ever been an Orthodox Christian? Have you now, right, or had uh, I can't a drinking it. game inscribed in your yearbook or something? But the but the uh, congressional race is here, and the prospect of uh, a Durbin re-election right after November sixth. I want to see Jeannie Ives challenge him. Challenge Durbin. Kick his butt. I've had it with him. I, I really don't. It's not really policy as much as that. Like, you know, sometimes everything's a gut feeling. Sometimes it gets to there. Yeah. Like uh, the toilets and Pritzker letting his wife take the fall. When Durbin talks, that unctuous, I don't know how to put it. In the Greek, it's the guy who talks, a person who talks across the fence and whispers malevolence. And the name is Rufiano. A Rufiano, okay. a gossip, like the way he comes off, and his wife making all this money as a lobbyist, and he says, "Oh well, I don't know how that happened." I mean, come on, man, I've just had it. He's he's Kalish from uh, Game of Thrones. Peter Baelish. Baelish, is it Baelish? Yes, and you know is what that happened the character to him. Baelish? I don't want to spoil it for all you people. Yeah, but something happens. Well, so. something always happens. Mm-hmm. Uh, uh, what about uh, the congressional races, Roscombe, Hulkerin, Boss? Roscombe's in trouble, right? Um, the, the Democrats have sought to weaponize the uh, gender issue. They have the Me Too issue and the Kavanaugh thing, and it's all piled one on top of the other. And they're pushing to get rid of this guy. And he's not really, I don't even think he's a conservative. I mean, he's kind of more of a moderate Republican. And the fellow that they're backing, what's his name? Sean Caston. In the Kavanaugh hearings, the, there was a, a clerk of uh, Kavanaugh sitting behind him. Remember? Long black hair, kind of an attractive lady. Uh-huh. Long black hair. Didn't Caston freak out and say when she was scratching herself, or scratching her ear or something. It was he, he was she was giving out uh, white racial hand oh, yeah, signals. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's just okay. That's re- that should be get you laughed off the stage, the political stage. But he's still there, perhaps because uh, you know he has protection in the media, and that viewpoint is protected. Uh, but it's uh, it's. Uh, Devastating, and it could cost uh, Roscoe his seat. I'd ask you about the media, but nobody in the Chicago media talks to you, so I'm not sure much. You can ask me anything, Dan. Well, I mean, the Chicago media, they're, they're a adjunct to the Chicago Democrat Party and the crime families. So I that, don't think so. Well, well okay. Uh, that's a, I think there might be hyperbole in that. You think, that, you think just so? Just a bit. Maybe just a bit. Um, Let's but, put it this way. I am a... As I say... Do they bear any culpability for what the state has become? Oh, yeah. 
the there's nothing more malleable than a white liberal terrified of being called a racist in the media. So that's all of them. Present company, except well, you, all of the white I'm, liberals. I'm, You're I'm, not a white liberal in the well, media. And Greeks weren't white until 1968. I didn't know when Greeks became white. Okay. Don't you know? That's when the. I'll stipulate. So stipulate. I wrote it in a column, and people actually thought it was true. <laughs> it was when. Uh, <coughs> of course people, they. Did. People ask me. Cass, why do you think you can write about minority politics? You're not a minority. I said, yes, we were. Greeks were not white until 1968, or whatever the year. The, the wedding night of Jacqueline Kennedy Is that to what it was? Aristotle Onassis, I said uh, Richard J. Daly wrote an executive order it's making that, all Greeks white from that day. Yeah. So a, yes, we do know. It's sort of like, that's that you, you say, if you say it like Durbin says it, people believe it. If you just say I it can't, factual. I'd rather I'd, cut my own throat. Yeah. But and talk like that, bullhead. But so the media bears culpability. White yes. liberals in the media, which is ninety percent of them. Well, okay. they 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 caved on Daly, they caved on Harold Washington, they caved they on caved Rom. on Rom. They caved on uh, who's the fellow they ran against? Jack, uh, who ran against Obama? Jack Ryan. Jack Ryan. There was a, there's a. I don't know if it's a lack of confidence in their viewpoint, but they've always been—we've always been easily led and herded, and that bothers me. I think many, not all, but I think many have wanted to go along and get along, and I think part of that reason is because Harold Washington used to complain bitterly that the media was against him. People forget this now that when Trump says it. It's like, you know, that's a lie. No, it's not. And the same thing with Harold Washington. He would say it as well. And he understood why. It wasn't because he was black or white. It was that reporters had their sources. And reporters wanted to protect those sources and their access to power. And I think a lot of that has to do with the calcified structure that we've had for many years. So, how, so is is this surmountable? The press corps being in bed with the powers that be, the find the C suite. I don't want to say they're in bed with I'm the powers it. that be. You're saying it. I'm not. All right. So I'm already when I say some, when I some approximation of what I'm saying. When I mention the democratic media complex, I get people at work and I get upset. All right. I'll use your term then. Democrat media complex plus plus the C suites plus. Uh, all of the institutional interests that benefit from the kleptocracy. Mm -hmm. So is that is that overcome? Is, can that be overcome? Yes. How? First, you have to identify. You have to identify, like you often say, you have to identify the problem. The problem is that journalism in America has long convinced itself that they were the iconoclasts. That they were the ones to stand up, you know, like they say, speaking truth to power. Oh, yeah. Right? Yeah, As right. if they do. But really what it is, I think, is uh, they are the guardians of the empire at the gate. They're the guardians of the um, establishment. Right. It's always been. In Roman times, there were people who would chatter, hence chattering classes, about the virtues of the emperor. Even if it was Caligula, he would have the virtues of Caligula. Same thing. Same thing now. So how do you get past the Praetorian Guard? Um, give me $5 billion and I buy my own newspaper. and I don't know. I don't know how you get past that. I mean, I find it interesting that all these people with a lot of money want to run for public office when really, and you're in the newspaper business now too, are you not? Mm -hmm. That... That gives you more leverage in the game. As far as, you know, I remember writing about Cellini and people saying, no, that's not true. Oh, come on. He's not, he's nothing. He's nothing. He wasn't nothing. All the people that now that I get ripped on by the, you know, those little flax at the CTU, not the flax, but they're, there are people, AFSCME and so forth, that I'm such a Republican. But I remember 
warning people that you have a you have a political party like the Republican Party in bed with Bill Salini and Bob Shalander, you are going to have disaster. Hence, I mean, what do we have? What about uh, what what happened to journalists speaking truth to power, um, t looking at the people who are influencers who are not in elective office? Pardon? What what about what about the journalists looking yeah. at people who are not in elective office? Who are influencers. In, who are influencers? You use Salini as one example, but there are there are many, many, many right, examples. Right, because of that. Uh, about, how about but, Griffin, for example? But those, but those are people that don't like bad. You they're lying, very sensitive to bad press. You line Griffin on the right, um, on the left, the Crowns. They just bought a. They just bought a newspaper, didn't they? For Ram, didn't they? Fred, Fred, I, yeah. Yeah, Fred, right. Fred Eichner. Correct. I mean, there's, there's, there's lots of examples. We Lefkowitz, to, or Lefkowski, I should say, and we I mean, used there are to many have, examples. We used to have... Uh, Michael Sachs, Byron Trott, it could go on. I think you're 100% correct. They don't like bad press. They no. don't like being looked at. So why not look at them? I agree. It should be. We used to have something uh, at the papers, both papers had, when there was money, it's called, you know, when, when, uh, when columnists could go uh, trout fishing on the north face of Nova Scotia, there was there were um, we had society writers, society writers, right? They'd write about society, galas and so forth. Yeah, like what, like like cup? I mean, I'm I'm, I'm not talking about cup, but there was institutional memory, and you want to know how it works. Institutional memory within the uh, paper, both papers, all of them. And then political reporters could play off that and figure things out. It's like the wealthy, the influencers, have put up a wall. And without any kind of coverage at all, they've been able to play their game. And I, th I find that to be uh, unfortunate and not fair to the taxpayers. If this, uh, if November 6th is bad news, I if it's not, it's not going to be a blue wave, I don't believe, but it could be a blue tornado, which it'll, it'll really? touch down in spots. It'll touch down in Illinois, for sure. Well, if it touches down in Illinois and it sweeps out Republican congressmen like Peter Roscom and Republican state legislators and... How about Green? Well, that's my point. If, you're, if, you're, if Republicans get hurt in the collar counties the way they got washed out of South Suburban Cook 20 years ago, and you have, essentially have nobody left... Uh, then what does John Cast do? Are you in the, for the long haul in Illinois? I keep flirting with the idea that I get myself a case of cheap bourbon and buy one of those tiny houses. Where Rom's going to live? No, tiny house where you have the bed and the, the commode, unfortunately, is right next to the sink. I, that, that's going to be adjacent to Elon like his, Musk's tunnel? Like his, to, as big as, yeah. And I will move to Rensselaer, Indiana. Oh. To You're going to buy a tiny house in Rensselaer, Indiana. And set it up under the windmills. And drink cheap bourbon and then scream at Illinois. <laughs> Avenge me! Just like the dad in uh, Red Dawn. <coughs> Interesting example. All right. I, look, I don't know we'll what to do, we'll Dan. We'll Are you going to stay? Well, inscribe your name <coughs> in Freedom Plaza. How about that? Well, I come to visit Dan... And, and go tarpon fishing, you know? Maybe I'll do that. I mean, you know, at some point, I don't know. What, what is the... What is the? I'm not going to... Look, I have the best job in the world writing in my own hometown. Mm -hmm. You're going to have to pry this from my cold, dead fingers because I love it. And I'm not quitting. Right. I'm not quitting. I'm staying for my... I'm staying because it's not the politicians. I don't care about them. And it's not the influencers. And I don't care about going out and being seen by, I never, you know that, I mean, you know me. But the people that read the stuff, they count. And there are a lot of good people that can't, they watch this, they listen to you, they read me. They, they think, why is everyone against me? All I'm trying to do is make a living and pay my, you know, bills, and people keep sucking my blood. And that's what they're doing to them. I'm not trying to say I'm a champion of anyone, but I don't, 
I flirt with the idea of leaving, and every time I think about it, and Betty wants to sell the house, I'm like, I want to stay. And that's how it is. All right, John Castle's going to stay and fight. That's actually the best answer I've heard. That's a good answer. I think that's right. I think that's that's the fun part of having a job where you're able to talk to a lot of different people, is that you do, you know, as much as your faith in humanity is destroyed by the political class and the... Uh, Intelligen- it's not intelligentsia. It's it's sort of um, well. Do you think I write? Do you think I write so that I'm going to be beloved by the Twitter, no, obviously the Twitter not. people or obviously the not. my colleagues? I really don't give two figs. Yeah, no, but I think that's right. I think that's after you're sort of set and stable, as you are, you raise your boys and all that. And I think that next level of sort of responsibility and and opportunity. It's not hero talk. I, I agree no, with you. It's but it's, it's the responsibility and opportunity to provide a platform or be a conduit for people that otherwise don't have that platform. I think that's right. It's like this thing now where we're constantly fighting, constantly as a country, right? Fighting over federal powers. And, you know, I mean, it's we're fighting over this thing. Like that a Supreme Court, uh, Supreme Court seat is going to make us turn and try to cut each other's throats. Why is that? I'm trying to think of how do I explain that in order to survive as a nation, we have to go back to federalism. We have to really under have people understand what that is. If I don't like it in Illinois, I go to Indiana or I go to Kentucky or vice versa. And to explain people that when you have centralized, concentrated power, the result is everything you're seeing. That seems like a secondary fight if you're an Illinois resident because we have a problem with power closest to the people here. Subsidiary is not working so great for us. All right, he is John Cass, page two columnist for the Chicago Tribune. His podcast, The Chicago Way, you can get it at the Tribune's website, weekly podcast. Bi-weekly, twice weekly. Okay, twice. I want to use the bi word. Twice weekly. Sure, people start talking. Twice weekly podcast, the Chicago way. John Cass, thanks so much for joining us on this edition of Against the Current. Thank you, sir. Salute. Salute.